while we remain standing, please turn in your Bibles. I hope you have your King James Bible with you this morning to Isaiah. Isaiah, if you know where Psalms is, that's the middle of your Bible. You go there, go forward two or three books, you'll bump right into Isaiah, which is one of the larger books of the Bible. Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah chapter number 53. This is a what they call a prophetical chapter in the Bible. It's talking about Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter number 53, you'll find out a lot of people will tell you today the Old Testament has nothing to do with us. We would not know that Christ is the Christ for sure, except the Old Testament prophesied of him many times in absolute detail, and it was fulfilled with this particular person in this particular place, this particular way, and that's how we know that he is the Jesus, okay? And so it's very, very important for us to know the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 53, starting in verse number one, I will read out loud. If you'll follow along with me silently, but we will read this together. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, will, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Now, this is describing Jesus Christ. And as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief, carried our sorrows, and yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now that's the only part that most people key in on. But then why is it mentioned last if it's so important? That is true, but that's not what's spoken of. Watch what happens here. Verse number six, all we like sheep have gone astray. What's that first word in, chapter, in verse six? All. Does anybody know in Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Spanish, anything what all means? Thank you very much. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one. Does anybody know what everyone means in Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Aramaic, Spanish? It means every. See, there we're learning already. That would mean you and me. Is that correct? Okay, wonderful, good. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jehovah God has laid on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, that means he did not say anything, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who hath declared his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He, was, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich his death. Because he done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Lord here is Jehovah God, or the Father if you would. Bruise him, Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by the not by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide unto him portion with the great and, and, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I want you to turn one other place, Romans chapter 5, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter number 5, I want you to go down to verse number 8. We'll read this one verse, then we'll make our prayer. Are you there? Romans 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible, for without it, it would be man's opinion. Even though men give their opinion today, the word of God stands true. What is truth? Thy word is truth. God, it is impossible for him to lie. Even, the, even to con, con, try to consider that it's possible is ridiculous. That God Almighty, who one of his very titles or names is truth, could not possibly lie. Thus, if we can depend upon anything, it would be the word of God. So I ask you to please make it clear, make it plain. Help me to help your people understand more clearly what these things are talking about. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ and the resurrection. For if there be no death of the testator, there is no strength in the whip. Lord, help us please this morning. Bless the dear folks. May every one of us set up, pay attention. Who knows, today could be the most important day of our life. And simply by being distracted, we could miss the whole thing. That would be a tragedy. Thank you for this time. Help us please in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. was guilty with nothing to say, and they were coming to take me away, but then a voice from heaven was heard that said, let him go. And take me instead. And I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on. Grace, 
But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. Crown of thorns, the spear in his side. Oh, and the pain should have been mine. Those rusty nails were meant for me. Yet Christ took them and let me go This morning, now that the singing is done and the music is done and the handshaking is done and all those things are done, let us calm down and put our minds upon Jesus Christ and begin to think about him. Okay? I need everybody's undivided attention. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Let's read this one more time. I will read it out loud. You read it along with me silently. But who? God. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since before time, time was something God designed for man. God does not need time. 
God does not need to be reminded of time. Time was something that God put for man so he could organize his life and continue on and do what needed to be done. But before time ever began, God in heaven knew that there would have to be a showdown between sin and somebody. He knew that. God already knew that. That's why in Revelation it said, you said, you mean before the cross? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So way back then, this is not a last minute, oh I need to come up with something. However, the showdown, if you would, was designed and said on this day, it has to be known what's going on. Okay? Your life is not being thrown together moment by moment. Right. Same thing with your salvation. Listen to me carefully. Adam and Eve <laughs> no more than set their foot, if you would, on God's green earth and sinned. Isn't that terrible? They know more than God here for some time and things begin to go wrong. And when our first parents sinned, listen, listen, you say, that wasn't me. Hold on. It plunged every human being in the world into sin. Question, how many human beings are in this church? That's not multiple Not multiple choice. Everybody's saying, what does that mean? <laughs> That's why you shouldn't be in public school. Now, Adam and Eve know more than God here. And sin entered into the world because of them. Listen to me very carefully here. They plunged everybody into sin. Go to, since you're in Romans, go to Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. The Bible says in verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man, that would be Adam. The Bible said Eve was deceived, Adam sinned. Adam knew full well, eyes wide open, saw it coming, made a choice, knew it was wrong, did wrong, he sinned. He sinned, therefore the Bible said, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. God did not create sin. The devil did not create sin. Mankind, it entered in because of Adam. Wherefore, the Bible said, by one man, sin entered in the world. Do you know why people die? COVID, no. Do you know why people die? That's not true. Do you know why people die? What's it say? And death by sin. Had mankind never sinned, nobody would ever die. The reason that you're going to die, quit hoping it won't happen. It's going to happen. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So it's going to happen to you. Yet the Bible said, skin for skin, all would a man give in exchange for his life. He will pay anything, do anything to live one more day. Even if it's in a hospital slobbering all over himself. There's something in us that says, I want to live. That's why it is so tragic when people take their own lives. It just doesn't make sense at all. So, and when he's talking here, he said, and death, so death passed upon all men. There's that word all again. How many does that include? All, very good, okay. Death by, passed upon all men, ready, for that all have sinned. Now, what's he talking about so far? Because of Adam and Eve, look very carefully, we inherited a sinful nature. We inherited a nature that wants to sin. Not only that, we have sinned. Watch what it says here. 
Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. So death entered in by one man. Our nature, the Bible teaches, is sinful, and also we do sinful things ourselves. So I am a sinner by nature, and I'm also a sinner because I do sinful things. You understand? So quit blaming Adam and Eve. Well, if it wasn't for them, it's not my fault. Yeah, but you still sin. And even if you could stop every wrong thing you could ever do, your nature is enough to send you to hell because of your parents, Adam and Eve. So we're not just talking about a physical death, but the second death will last through all eternity. Man is doomed that is unsaved. An unsaved person, look at me, an unsaved person, a person without Christ has no life. Life is in Christ. You say, I'm living now. No, you're existing now. You have no life. Life is in Christ. Without Christ, when I die, I die forever. I'm always dying and never dead. So I may die physically, and I will. They will put my body in the grave, and worms will eat it. I just want to see if you're paying attention, because that will, will happen. You shall be cremated, then the worms don't have to worry about you. Right? That would be the physical death. We avoid that like the plague if we can. But what you should be thinking about is the eternal death. The, ready? Second death. When the Bible says a point unto man wants to die, it's talking about physically. It's a point unto man wants to die physically. Eternally, man will die again if he does not have Jesus Christ as his Savior. The only thing that will save you or keep you from the second death is Jesus Christ. I want you to turn, if you would please, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter number 20, last book in the Bible, almost the last chapter of the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter number 20, look at verse number 14 and 15. He said, second death, come on, preacher, what are you talking about? Man dies one time, kaput, it's over with. I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm not talking about you going to another planet and have 70 virgin wives. I'm not talking about you going to another planet and get an opportunity to go over it again. I'm not talking about the, not at all. There's no Bible for that. There's no truth to that. But watch what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 14. And death, that's the physical death. The death of your body, your physical body. And hell, wait, wait, wait. hell? Hell's going to be cast into the lake of fire? Yes. Let me explain something to you, uh, if I can. Oh, keep forgetting, I got this on. That's good. Okay, watch. Watch very carefully. Look up here. Look up here. Look here. You're going to miss this. We pay a lot for these props that we have up here. When a person is born into this world, they physically have life. Because of Adam and Eve, we are a triper type, a body, soul, and spirit. When they sin, their ability to communicate with God on a spiritual level dies. You still have a spirit, but it's dead to the things of God. When you receive Christ as Savior, and only then, the Bible said the Spirit of God quickens your spirit, makes it alive again. That's why without the Spirit of God, you can't understand God's Word past a certain point. Study it all you want to. There are people down at OSU, that's all they ever do. They're called theologians. Sounds like old people, doesn't it? Theologians. And they study the Bible all the time and come up with wrong conclusions. You know why? Without the Spirit of God, you cannot discern the deep things of God. So God, because of Adam and Eve, the Spirit died. God said, the day you eat thereof, you shall die. Well, physically, they didn't die right away. But their spirit died immediately. 
their, their ability to walk and talk and communicate with God died immediately, and God designed an innocent animal and shed blood. You follow me? Okay, so what happens is now we are a what's called a tripartite, all right? A three-part being, just like our Father in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You follow? Am I, is, am I okay? You're staring at me like you never heard any of this before. Uh, I hope that you have. So what we have here said, and death, the physical death of the body, and hell. So when a man dies physically, your body goes into the ground, into an urn, into a fire, something, okay? Whatever, however you want to die, whatever. It dies. The body is dead. The soul is eternal. Saved or not, you're an eternal soul. You have to go somewhere. There's only two places. There is no purgatory. Look up here. Look at me. There is no purgatory talked about in the Bible, period. There is no in-between place now since Jesus died, none. So, he said, death and hell. If you die unsaved, if you do not have Christ as your Savior, I mean according to the Bible, have Christ as your Savior. When you die, you immediately go to hell, your, 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 your eternal soul. That soul, your body's in the first death. You will stay here. This isn't the second death. This is like the dim between jail and prison. Person says, oh, "Trust me, I know what prison is all about. I went to jail on the weekend. Two different things altogether. Ask me how I know." Armando told me. Now, <laughs> what you have here, you have the body. You have an eternal soul. If you die unsaved, this is not Christian. If you die unsaved, Paul said, "For those that are saved, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord." No in between place. But for the lost, if that's you here this morning, I didn't say the church person. I said an unsaved person. You die without Christ, everybody will die. Your body will go in the grave, will go in the water, sharks will eat you, ants will, worm, whatever. You're going to die. Your soul will go to hell if you're unsaved. It is the holding place waiting for judgment. That's called in Revelation the great white throne. That's for sinners. That's for unsaved people. Christians don't go there. At that throne, you're not being decided whether you're going to heaven or hell. You already were in hell. You know what's deciding? There's a place called the lake of fire. It's not the same as hell. It's known as the second death. It is an eternal death, dying and always dying and can never die. You say, I don't believe in that. Ready? I don't really care what you believe. Neither does God. The Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. Anybody that disagrees with God, it's not God that's lying, it's you. It's me. So watch what he said now. Now with that, hopefully, a little bit of understanding, watch what it says. Revelation 20, verse number 14. And death, the physical death, were cast, I'm sorry, and hell. Okay, that's what person. So I've got, I'm dead. Now my soul's in hell. It said death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So now we're talking death, we're talking hell, we're talking about the lake of fire. They're not all the same places. Your, your body will lie in the grave forever, but your soul is going to go to hell. Hell is not the end of it for you lost person. Well, I'll be there seven days and I'll burn up, and I heard Jehovah wouldn't say that. They're, they're as confused as a termite and a yo-yo, seriously. They have no idea what they're talking about. 
But watch what, watch what God's Word says. Watch what God's Word says. Watch what God's Word says. Not me, not them, not you. Look what the Bible says. The Bible said, and whosoever, it said, what? Uh, cast in the lake of fire. This is the what death? What is, quit staring at me. I know I'm cute. What's it say? The second death. So the point I made about a second death, God said is true. You're not going to die physically and come back physically. The Bible says appointed unto man to die once. Physically, you'll die once. They did not bring you back on that gurney. You may have been medically declared dead, but you weren't God, God dead. Because God says appointed unto man once. You have an appointment. It's why you go to the graveyard and you'll see babies there. It's their appointed time. You'll see grandmothers there. It's their appointed time. You'll see good people, bad people. Everybody has an appointed. Today may be your appointed time. You said, I, I don't think so. How do you know that? You didn't make the appointment. God made the appointment. God said, your time on earth is done. It's time to, hit, time to go. So I will die physically. If I am unsaved, if I do not know Christ as Savior, according to that verse alone, and there are many others, my soul will go to hell waiting for judgment. Great white throne judgment talked about there in Revelation chapter 20. The great white throne judgment. At that judgment, God has several books there. One book is the book of life. God is going to show you your name is not there. There'll be no fooling on that day. You'll know the reason you're there is because you're unsaved. But then the Bible talks about that's the book of life. Then there's the books of your works. So you see, it does matter how you live, even as a lost person. It's not going to keep you out of hell. It's not going to keep you out of the lake of fire. But it, And I don't understand this part. You would think hell or lake of fire would be bad enough for anybody. But there are degrees of punishment according how you lived, even as a lost person. According to the light you have received and then rejected. Like sitting in here this morning and hearing all this, you go, well, I'm just not ready. But you do know the truth. And on that day, in those books, God will open up those books and God will simply say, on this month, on this day, at this time, at the Anchor Baptist Church, you were there. I know. I see it everything. And you did understand, but you told others you didn't. God knows everything. God sees everything. God is everywhere. And you'll stand before him. Not Jesus. Stand before God. And when all of that is done, there are degrees of punishment. I don't understand that part. I know it's true. I can show you in the Bible. There are degrees of punishment. Then what happens is this. After the great one, my body's dead. My soul went to hell. It's brought up out of hell to stand before God Almighty for my judge. It's like a guy committing a crime. They put you in jail. What are they waiting for? Your judgment day. What happens after judgment? You're going to prison for life except our lenient people down here will negotiate terms. God won't do that. There's no negotiation there. So you end up here after the judgment. The Bible said the angels of God shall hurl you into the lake of fire. I don't understand that. Hurl means like a pitcher with a baseball. You say, well, God have leniency. He already did. You ignored his mercy, his love, his payment, his penalty for you. You ignored all of that. And now at the end of time when you know you're guilty, you want God just to forget it all? 
God gave you all of this time. You, you need to get right with God today. So watch what he says. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These are people who have never received Jesus Christ as Savior. This place was not made for human flesh. He said, why would God make hell for people? God didn't make hell for people. God made hell for the devil and his angels where the false prophet uh, are, the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. It wasn't made for you. Heaven was made for you. Uh, I'm sorry, earth was made for you. We blew that. So God made a way whereby we could go to heaven. Anybody who does not receive Christ as Savior cannot go to heaven. Well, where do they go? Somebody has told you you die and that's it, didn't they? They lied to you. Besides that, how would they know? Did they die and come in? Quit believing that stuff, will you? I went to hell and God sent me back to warn everybody. No, he didn't. The Bible warns everybody. So what do we have here? This, this place was not made for human flesh. But because of the sinful nature and our sinful... Listen to me. This is an Easter message. Amen. You thought it would be all fuzzy and then you get eggs after we're done. Listen to me carefully. I, I've been known to lay some eggs, but it won't be this morning. Now... Because of the sinful nature of man and the sinfulness of man. Now, wait a minute. The other side, because of the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, you cannot be in the presence of God without Jesus Christ. Come here, brother. Let me show you something. In effect, the Bible said Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. If in heaven, here's God's throne, Jesus says the right hand. This is the place of honor. The right hand is always the place of honor. So when God looks at me, here's what God sees, his son. So no matter what happens. So God is not so much in favor of the way I live as he is what he did. Now, I still need to live right. Don't get me wrong. See, I'm trying to find a loophole, right? So when God looks at me, he looks at his son. And because of his son who sits at the right hand of the father, he is my advocate. Did any of you folks that have ever been in trouble with the law, you know what an advocate is? What is it? It's a lawyer. It's an attorney. Someone who argues your defense. Right? Jesus said to the right hand of the father, and now that I am saved, if I'm not saved, this doesn't apply to you. Just don't even listen to this part. It had nothing to do with you. You go to hell when you're dead. But when God looks at me, he doesn't say, man, what a nice fella. You know, I may consider saving him. No, the only reason I'm saved at all is because of Jesus. And when God looks at George Bell, he looks at what his son did for George Bell, and then Jesus says, Father, that's one of mine. He accepted what I did, and the Father goes, okay. God does not overlook sin. He's not an old grandfather somewhere. But these are things you have to go ahead. Thank you very much. Thank God that one day, because of all of this, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the sinfulness of man, the sinful nature of man, that's got to come to a head somewhere. This can't go on like this forever. Somebody's got to die and go to hell. Somebody's got to die and go to heaven. That's just the way. You say, how do you know somebody will die and go to hell? God said. On top of all of that, the Bible said, hell hath enlarged their borders. So if you don't think there's enough room for you, there is. Hell, can you understand, has enlarged her borders. Hell will make room for you. Your choice. Man did not make this plan. For man was the one that was lost and blind and undone to the things of God. He was dead in his trespasses and sins. Go to Ephesians chapter number 
2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. I talk to people sometimes, door to door, out on the street, talk to a young lady down here at UDF, just I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday or something this week. It's amazing, no matter how we live, when someone starts talking about Jesus in heaven, the first thing we start talking about is how good we really are or how bad we don't think we really are. Again, let's, let's just go and see what God has to say about it, okay? Watch it very carefully. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened. There's that word quickened. That means made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? I trusted Christ as Savior. I was dead in trespasses and sin. Now my spirit has been quickened. I have life now because of Jesus. Verse number 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This is why God has very little patience with disobedience. Because that's what the devil and his kids do. They disobey. Watch what happens here. Verse number three. Among whom also we had our conversation. That's not just words. That means all, all of our actions. In time past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling, I'm sorry, yeah, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy and his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ. By grace are you saved. Listen to me very carefully here. God came up with the plan. God did that. God came up with the plan. God did that. You didn't do that. You and God don't have your own thing going. He never did. God came up with a plan. God designed, if you would, a showdown and said, we got to bring this thing to a head. Man was designed to walk with me and fellowship with me. I made him like me so we could be together. Man sinned. Therefore, God and man cannot be together. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You're not saved because you go to church. You're not saved because that baptistry. You're not saved because you do good. Without... The shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness, none, none whatsoever. Amen. You cannot go to heaven unless blood has been shed for you. And that blood must be from a perfect person, blood. Right. There's only one of those. It's not Muhammad. Amen. It's not the Pope. Right. It's not Mother Mary. Right. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's Jesus Christ. So we find out here God designed a showdown when all of history and everything in it would converge on one place and one person to decide eternity for everybody. Where the worst would meet the best. And we would find out. That day was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That place was called Calvary. So we have the person, we have the place. Was Jesus dying for some worthy? I mean, some of us, we almost act like, well, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. Really? You mean to tell me God's only begotten Son went through all that and you really weren't that bad? You know, when we talk about sin, can I just, can I help you here a moment? When we talk about sin on who's really bad and who's not, we, we judge each other, right? 
Well, yeah, they, they murder people. The only thing I did was steal some stuff. This is the way we gauge it. Bible said, wherefore all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. Everybody sinned. And you said, well, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't do this anymore. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Look up here, look up here, look up here. You're not that bad. Do you know there's really only one sin that sends people to hell? One. It's not murder. It's not taking your own life. It's not remarrying. It's none of that. Those are sins. But there is one sin that will keep you out of heaven and cause you to go to hell. You say, preacher, it's got to be pretty bad. I never heard of it. What are you talking about? Ready? Not receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. That is the only sin. Because the Bible said he is the door. He's the way, the truth, and life. I am the Lord. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if I don't have Christ, I can't go to heaven. If I don't have Christ, I have nobody to be my advocate, to plead my case. Without Christ, God's only begotten Son, I don't have a hope. I will die. I will go to hell. I will be resurrected to the great white throne judgment of God. Judgment will be passed upon me, not whether I go to heaven or hell. I'm going to hell. It's the degrees of punishment that I get. Then angels will hurl me into the lake of fire, and I will stay there and die forever. There's a preacher, why does it have to last forever? Because nobody paid for your sin, you decide to pay for your own, so you can't. So you'll pay for it forever. You understand? I didn't ask you if you liked it, but I said, do you understand? So what do we have here is God designed this showdown. I want you to turn to Romans chapter number 5, please. Romans chapter number 5. On that day, on this showdown day, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten, perfect son, the only one ever, gave his life so you could have life. He gave his life so you could have life. And you turn that down. You unsaved. If you're here and unsaved, you say, preacher, I'm a member of the Anchor Baptist Church. I'd never even asked you that. You can be a member of the Anchor Baptist Church and not go to hell. Church has never saved anybody. Water doesn't save anybody. Suits don't save anybody. Carrying a Bible don't save anybody. Looking pretty on Easter morning doesn't save anybody. Romans chapter number 5, drop down to verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now God just called us ungodly. If you don't have God, you're ungodly. Godly. That makes sense? Okay. Verse number seven. For scarcely for a righteous man, I'm sorry, scarcely for the righteous man uh, will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. He's a good person. I'll get, but I was in the military. It's amazing how they, they call it uh, heroism or what, what causes a guy to step forward at times like that. I, I saw that. And it really is hard to figure out. You got this little guy over here doesn't say hardly anything in the middle of battle. It's amazing what some, and you got these big guys. They've been working out all their life and, you know, chewing tobacco and spitting, cussing, carrying on, and they're hiding in a foxhole somewhere. Nobody understands why. It just happens. They don't say like, you know, you are good people. I'll die for you. Some may do that. Scarcely for a good person. Some may dare to die. But watch what God did. Watch what God, God is not looking for good people. God is not looking for self-righteous people. 
But God, verse number eight, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God said, Jesus, you're going to die. Now, these are sinners you're dying for. These are unrighteous people you're dying for. These are people who don't deserve what you're going to give them. You're not dying for good people. You're not dying for righteous people. You're dying for sinners. Jesus come to die for sinners. If you don't believe you're a sinner, then you're saying he didn't die for me. You're going to die and go to hell. Happy Easter. I have a question. What is man without Christ then? What is man without Christ? In Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. Now, I'm going to take those of, I'll say us right now. I don't believe this, but I'll say us. That believe you're not that bad. You actually believe there's a lot of good qualities in you, don't you? You get that idea from comparing yourself to other people. Do you know there's always somebody worse than you? And there's always somebody better than you? So is that the indicator of heaven and hell? Watch what it says here. What is a man without Jesus Christ? You ready? Let's go by the Bible. I'm just going to read you a couple of scriptures. Ready? That way it's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. This is what God thinks of you without his son. You ready? The Bible said in Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses, all, all your best days, all the best things you can do are as filthy rag. God said this. God said this. We love to pat ourselves. Oh, preacher, I'm not that bad of a person. Oh, preacher, I helped build church before. Oh, preacher, my grandfather was a great guy. What's that got to do with anything? I don't know, but that's what we say. But watch what he says. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Feeling pretty good about yourself so far? Go to Job, if you can turn there fast, Job 25.6. Here's Job. The Bible called him the most just man, the most righteous man that there's ever lived on this earth. I mean, you talk about top-of-the-notch guy. That's him. And he knew God. He knew Christ. And here's what he said, chapter 25, verse 6. How much less man that is a worm. Feeling pretty good about yourself? Self-righteous people, you're a worm. Man, the way God wanted to view you, a worm. We see them all over our parking lot after it rains a lot. They smell. Now, for you outdoors type of thing, oh, it's wonderful to fish with them. Uh, yeah, that maybe the best quality you have, put them on a hook and throw them in the water. They stink. Oh, but science has told us they do a lot of good. See, that, that's, that's your problem. You think of yourself that way, like you have good qualities. Job said man is like a worm. Job being awful hard on us, isn't he? And the son of man, which is a worm, Come on, Job. Come on, preacher. You can think nice things to say, can't you? Not along these lines, I can't. You know why? God can't either. God never said. Now, some of you folks are not quite as bad as that. Look, there are people who do worse things, but they sin. There are people who do not do such bad things, but they still sin. That's why God can say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care if you almost made it to here on your goodness, you came short. Me, I openly admit I was in the gutter below the worm, and I fell short. 
Did we do the same things? No. Are we just as bad off? You mean on our way to hell without Christ? Yes. If you don't get saved, this is what's going to happen. In Psalm, in the middle of your Bible, chapter 14, verse number 2 and 3, the Lord looked down from heaven. I'm just quoting Bible now. I'm just quoting Bible. So your argument's not with me. Do I think you're good? Would I rather have a murderer live beside me or a guy who lies? Neither one. But if I had to choose one or the other, I don't want the murderer living next to me. But both of them are sinners. Both of them are lost without Christ. Both of them need to be saved. But how do we pass judgment? The way we view people. And our view of people are getting worse all the time. Right? Now watch what it says. Psalm 14, 2 and 3. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if any, if, if, if there were any that did understand and seek God. Ready? Ready? They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. What God's trying to do, God's not trying to be abusive. God being very truthful, he can't help that. What he's saying is, quit thinking so good about it. You've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If I have to view you without Christ, you're worms. You're filthy, your best days, you're all your righteousness as filthy rags. God's trying to get us to understand, then I need yeah, a Savior. Yeah, I need a Savior. I, I can't correct this problem. I need a Savior. We are described without Christ as vapor, as unholy, unclean, dead, gone astray to our own way, debtors. Man needs a Savior. Man needs to be saved. I don't go to church. Yeah, I don't know about you. I, when I used to be out running around, I didn't go to church just because at times I felt guilty. I didn't feel guilty about anything. I care less. I don't understand people going to church in the middle of their sinful life just to go. I don't understand that. I never went to church to get this guilt feeling off of me. I didn't do that either. Turn that off, please. I, I didn't do that. Why are you here if you don't have Christ? Why are you here? You say, preach, you don't want me here? I didn't say that. I want you to answer the question, why did you come here today? Why are you here today? You think it's just going to make you better? It's a good thing to do. Could do all that. But without Christ, it's all in vain. It doesn't amount to anything. That's the point I'm trying to make here this morning. Jesus came to earth to save sinners. He didn't come to save you good people. He said, Jesus died for everybody. But see, good people don't think they need Jesus, so he can't save you. It's not that he didn't die for you. You just don't think you need him. You won't believe this. I knocked on the door one time years ago. I mean, it really, I, I said, I almost don't say, what? I said, sir, do you realize you're a sinner in need of Christ? Well, you know, and he convinced me how good of a person he was. And he went, I said, then I have a question for you. Why did Jesus have to die for you if you can go to heaven without him? He looked at me like he was dumbfounded. Here's what he said. You know, I really don't know. I just wanted to call him a liar, flat out. How arrogant, how prideful for you to say, I'm not sure why Jesus had to die for me. I mean, you know what he's getting, right? Pride is a sin. Dying without Christ will put you straight into hell. 
Jesus came to die for sinners, to give his life a ransom for many. But first, there must be a payment made. God's not letting anybody off. The reason your sins can be forgiven, somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to step up and make a payment for your sin. The penalty had to be passed on to somebody, and that someone had to give an answer and pay for that sin. And there's only one person that can do that, and that was Jesus Christ. And it's not you. You cannot do that. Knowing the sinful condition of man, who would willingly step forward and die for sinners? Scarcely for a good man, some would dare to die. I mean, that's for a good guy. But Jesus said, I died for sin. Who would do such a thing? Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Turn there, please. You're almost there. You may already be there. Look at verse number 8. Let's read this against our text first. In case you don't know what these mean, I'm still baffled on why people read words they don't fully understand. So we make up definitions and normally end up with the wrong definition. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth. That means God demonstrated, God showed, God exhibited his love toward us. How did he do it? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You want to see the love of God? You ready? There it is, right there. God said, I will exhibit, I will demonstrate, I will show you my love. I'm dying for sinners. Not good people. I'm, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm dying for sinners. Think about that. I'm going to demonstrate God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus wants to say he knows what you are. Quit trying to fake it. He already knows. He died for you. He loves you. But there had to be a day when God said, sin has got to be handled. Penalty has to be paid. These things have got to be handled before sinners can come in the presence of God as saved people. Jesus said, on this hill, on this day, I, all of everything, all of mankind, everything that went on was laid upon Jesus Christ. And the Bible said, and God hath laid on him the iniquity of us John 3, 16, you know that. Most of the world knows that. For who loved? For God so loved the world that he gave. Don't just quickly, well, God's love the world, gives God's love. Oh, very good. Yay. Listen to what it says. For God so loved. He didn't just love, he so loved the world. Everybody. Everybody could go to heaven. You understand that? Everybody could go to heaven. Everybody could go to heaven. He died for the whole world. From Adam to the very last man in existence, there is one Christ, one cross, one Calvary. That's it. He died for His blood is more than sufficient to save and keep everybody. Your Savior. For God so loved the world, He gave. What did he give? Angel? Another person? Church? His only begotten son. If your Bible doesn't say only begotten, you got a bad Bible. See, I'm a son of God. You're a son of God. But there's only one only begotten son of God. So if it doesn't say that, you got a bad Bible. Well, you got a bad commentary too. He said, watch it. His only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. 
You don't want to perish. You don't want to go to eternal hell. You don't want to be cast in the lake of fire. You don't want to live without Christ. You want your spirit to be awakened again only in Christ. God gave his son for this very reason. There is more that happened on that day than most people realize. On the day Jesus died, there is more that happened on that day than most people realize. In the Garden of Gethsemane, now we're getting to the message. You ready? All that's introduction. On that day, there's more that happened than most people care to realize. Uh, before that horrible week began, way back before the week began, that last week that led to the crucifixion and the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, Jesus and his disciples were together and went out to the Mount of Olives. There was something Jesus prayed. Do you remember what it was? Let this cup pass from Nevertheless, but thy will be done. What's this cup thing? What, what, what are we talking about, this cup thing? What is that all about? Jesus was praying with such strength and fervency, even his sweat started pushing out blood through his vessels, through, through, through his skin. He was in such fervency of prayer, sincerity, he prayed that God, please. The cup. What are you talking about? The cup? See, it wasn't the crucifixion. That was bad. Oh, my goodness sakes. I described that to you one of these days. That was bad. The beatings, the lying, the embarrassment, the nakedness, the clubbing, the crown of thorns, the punching in the face, on and on and on. Oh, that's tremendously. But that's not the cup. That wasn't the cup. That wasn't the, the dregs that were in there that he said, please, let this pass from me. That was the physical that had to come along with. But what about the cup? He didn't pray about God, take the whippings from me. Don't let the crown of thorns come from He said the cup. Let this cup. He wasn't talking about the whole thing. I believe he was talking about something in particular. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Happy Easter. Do you know why you can have a happy Easter? Because of Jesus Christ. Amen. We do the same thing with Christmas. We give gifts and we say Merry Christmas and we don't mention the first thing about Jesus. And for those that may Xmas Jesus right out of there, I don't even want to talk to you. Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse number 39. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. Here's what he said. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Go down to verse number 42, that same chapter. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away except I drink it, thy will be done. What's the cup? Now, we're not bad people, right? That's what we say. We're not that bad. What's the cup? What is so distasteful about this cup that Jesus himself said, I'd rather not drink this. If there's any other way, I'd rather not do this. What was so nasty that the cup represented? What is it? So horrible that Jesus wished that God somehow, if there's any other way, would possibly take it away, that he'd rather not drink it. What is the cup? 
This is what irritates me about Christian. All of a sudden we get saved, we think we're so good. You're only good because of Christ. Yet we'll hold people to the wall and hold them accountable and make them pay and tell everybody about it. I do not care anything for your Christianity. I don't care who you are, don't care what your excuse is. What was it? He was not speaking of the physical abuse, the embarrassment, the shame, but the sin of all mankind. He had never sinned. No guile was ever, not even a negative word was ever found in his mouth, nothing. Ever, throughout eternity and as a human being. I'm talking about as a baby, clear until the time he died, nothing. I mean, perfect, innocent. Now, all of a sudden, the cup that he had to drink, are you listening to me? This is why your I'm not so bad is really bad. It's so bad, God said, Jesus said, I'd rather not drink this. Adam, to the last man in history that will ever be born on this planet, you ever had a bad day? David Chris, you ever had a bad day? Just hoping you're right there with me again. <laughs> Listen, you have a bad day, you get headaches. Everybody irritates you. We call, oh, preacher, I'm just under a lot of pressure. Uh-huh, not pressure. I'm just irritated, you know. I wish people would change. You, and you would go on, that's one day. One person, one day. You ready? This is where you don't want to listen, right? I don't want to listen to this. That's, I think he's walking the pew right towards me. I am. And you're purposely not listening because you won't give in. That's one day, one person. On top of that, you have people who mistreat you. You say, well, that's not right. Couldn't agree more. With all this going on, that's one person for one day. Think of the worst day that a person can go through. That's one person for one day. Are you, do I have your attention? One person for one day. There's times you go, like, I don't know how much more of this I can stand. One person for one day. You take Adam and all of his life all the way to the last man and all of his life and the trillions and trillions of people that have been on this planet. And one day for six hours, dump it on the Lord. And he had to accept that. He never did anything wrong. What did he do? What did he do? Is not this your argument? What did I do to deserve this? What did he do to deserve that? You did something to deserve it. Whether somebody calls it up, you were born in sin, your nature is sinful, and we don't fall in love with the Lord till we get saved. And even after that, some of us don't fall in love with the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the person you don't like. I'm talking about you. Watch what he says. So what happened here is simply this. This day, when the worst, all of that, the murderers, the thieves, the liars, the violent, name whatever you want to, from Adam to the last man, every one of them, man, women, children, everybody, all dumped at one time. Boom! She said, Father, any other way. But if that is your will, One time does he mention the physical abuse, the embarrassment, the shame. That may have been included. 
I tend to believe it's something he was never familiar with at all. Sin. Isn't it amazing how we just discard our sin? Make excuse for our sin. Well, it's not as bad as some. Isn't it amazing how we do that? That's what I think was in the cup. This day that I'm talking about, when the worst met the best. During those six hours from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. For your sakes to please my father. If this was his plan for you, I will do this. I want you to understand there was nothing pleasant about it. There was nothing good about this. For those six hours that day on that hill, in that place, at that time, hanging between heaven and earth. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Go out and celebrate. Jesus died for you. He drank all of the guilt and penalty of your sin, paid for every bit of it so that you could go free. And what, did, I don't know, I don't know, really. You're like the man I met. I really don't know why Jesus had to die for me. I'm not that bad of a person. You are a filthy, wicked sinner, a worm. Your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You're like the wind just blown away. You amount to a puff of smoke. I love them. Without destroying my truth, we've got to find a way to get them back. And this was the plan. Let me help you understand something. That day when the worst met the best, the worst met the best. Pride met humility. Imperfection met perfection. Sinfulness met righteousness. Wickedness met innocence. Finite met infinite on that day, on that hill. Weakness met strength. Hatred met love. Hell met heaven on that day. Sin met forgiveness. Humanity met divinity. Death met life. Lie met truth. Undeserving met mercy. Darkness met life. Law met grace. On that day, in that place, the very worst that man and this world had to offer met the very best that God gave on that hill, in that place, for you. You must be born again. That's what this is all about. Thank God, through Jesus Christ, he drank the cup. He drank the cup. Had he refused to do that, we'd all be in hell right now. Then you'd have something to complain about. Thank God Jesus drank the cup. Thank God Jesus Christ paid our debt. Thank God Jesus suffered our penalty, paid for us. Thank God Jesus Christ gave his life so we could have life. On that day, the worst met the best. And the best one. The best one. Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah. 
Christ arose. And because he lives, we can live also. That day when the worst met the best, Jesus won. Jesus got the victory already for you. Understand, it's not going to be gotten. Folks, listen to me. You, you need to quit listening to this. Well, you never know where you're going to go till you die. You better figure that out before you die because the Bible says in Proverbs, as a tree falls, so shall it be. You die and say, you're not getting another choice, another chance. You're not going to another planet. There's no reincarnation. God's not going to have mercy on you. He did that on the cross. You need to decide today while you're alive. The longer you put it off, the less likely you are to get saved. True and fact. Everything that could possibly be laid to our account. Jesus said, Father, I'll take it. I'll pay for it. I'll go through it. God said, if you would, I'm going to have it out on that hill, on that day, with my only begotten Son, for all of mankind forever. On that day, we're going to have it out. We're going to decide heaven or hell for everybody. My dear friend, if you're lost, listen to me, be quiet, please. You can go to heaven. It's not God's choice, your choice. He's already decided what he's going to do. And it's free. The worst of everybody. And everything showed up and threw everything it had at Jesus Christ. And the best won. But on that third day, it sure looked bad, didn't it? Oh, we got human Roman soldiers to guard Herod, with all of his authority, sealed the tomb and put his signet ring on there. Nobody touches it. Angels don't listen to him. The disciples come running early that first day of the week. Who's going to roll the stone away for us? Hey, somebody's already been here. <laughs> and there was this person, this man, in white apparel, sitting on top of the stone. Why seek ye the living among the dead? What are you doing here? What are you looking for? The dead Jesus. They just crucified him. He's not here. <laughs> Doesn't that sound simple? Ready? He's not here. We come seeking Christ. He's not here. Dead people are here. He's not here. Folks, listen to me. Happy Easter. Your Savior, if you're saved, is not there. He's not in the grave. He's not like Muhammad. He's not like prophets of old. Not, he rose from the dead, from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah. Why do we live the way we do? Why do we go on with this facade? I'm not so bad. Well, who knows until I get to heaven. You're going to die and go to hell. Not what God wants. In your intelligence, in your own made-up truth, you have decided, I'll make it the way I want to. You're a worm. All your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You're like a leaf and the wind just blows away. That's all you amount to without Christ. You have no hope. On that day, the very worst, that would be us, met the very best as a big B, Jesus. Guess who won? Because he lives, you can live also. Let's pray. Father, 